Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Stefan Sieber, who's CEO of Transporian. And today we're going to talk about the way forward in transportation management. Now, in case you were in doubt, this past year taught us that the rules for success moving forward are not going to be the same as those in the past. And that's certainly true in transportation management. You know, in research that we recently conducted in, in partnership with Transporian, we surveyed over 300 shippers, carriers, and other uh, industry stakeholders. And we asked them, you know, how much room for improvement do you believe still exists in transportation management processes? So what did the respondents say? What are some of the desired outcomes moving forward? And how can technology help the industry achieve these outcomes? Well, that's going to be the key focus of our conversation today. And it's great to have Stefan on the program to share his insights and uh, perspective and advice on this topic. So Stefan, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Adrian. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, likewise. And, um, you know, certainly it's, it's hard to believe that, you know, we were all looking forward to 2020 to come to an end, you know, and put that behind us. And, and we're already in, into February here. Um, but certainly, like I said, you know, there's certainly been some key lessons learned, you know, from, from the past year. So maybe as a way to get started, as you reflect back uh, on 2020, as you've had conversations with, you know, shippers and carriers and, and, and the like, I mean, what do you see as the key lessons learned that both shippers and carriers must embrace and apply moving forward? So I would say I would say like when, when we look back to to 2020 and sort of the two phases of the year, right? I mean, I I, I discount the first two three months because the the year really started in for us in Europe in calendar week 12 when when we sort of got hit here locally, right? We saw it coming from Asia, and then a couple of weeks later, we've seen it moving over to the U.S. But sort of those two phases, it's all about you know for me real time insight and the ability to act. Uh, and when I say real-time insight, it's not only real-time visibility, know, knowing where your transports, your trucks, your ships are, but it's sort of understanding the market dynamics more or less in real time. But then even more important, the ability to do something with that insight, to act and react, because we've gone through, you know, and the whole world has gone through, you know, phases of, of, of unprecedented change and volatility and ambiguity. Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, for me is, you know, for a long time, you know, analysts like myself talked about the importance of flexibility, agility, responsiveness, right? And these are all words, right? These are all adjectives. These are all things that I think many shippers and carriers kind of heard, but maybe didn't walk the talk and didn't quite fully understand, you know, the, the, the meaning of those things or the importance of those things. And like you said, you know, once the pandemic hit, and it was the same for us here in the United States, right? It was really kind of that March, April timeframe that those companies that had that visibility, those companies that had the ability to derive insights from data were the ones that were in the best position to kind of react, right? And I think it was also interesting to see how, you know, customers, our customers on both ship rank carrier side reacted in a different way when the first wave hit us in, in, in March, April, compared to sort of when the second wave came in, in, in November, October, November, some, some parts even December. And then, you know, some parts of the world, specifically Europe, we on top in the second wave had this little thing called Brexit that added additional complexity, right? 
But the first wave was really about everybody just tried to survive, right? I mean, factories were, were, were shut here in Europe, borders were closed. We felt, you know, like being 60, 70 years back before the European Union, sort of, or probably 30 years back before the European Union really started to, 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 to open borders. Um, and everybody just tried to somehow make sure that things move from A to B. And then in the, in the second wave, it became much more of a, 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 a dynamic sort of, you know, step by step moving forward and, and, and things like understanding capacity and price indices and, and, and sort of adapting transport assignment strategies on a very short term became much more important. So, for example, we've seen a, a massive increase of spot tenders on our tendering platform compared to strategic tenders because many shippers were just uncertain about the future. They, you know, they, they didn't want to commit for long term. They didn't want to lock themselves in. We've seen an increase, an overall increase in the spot market compared to the contracted market. So it felt like everybody was using more of those digital tools that gives them responsiveness, flexibility, agility, exactly what you pointed out. You know, that, that, that's a great point. And we've seen a similar trends here in terms of the, 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 the split between the spot market and, and the contracted market, you know, similar, uh, you know, trends uh, here as well. And you brought up another great point, you know, you know, it's very easy to kind of hyper-focus on COVID, but the reality is that shippers and carriers have other challenges and issues to deal with, whether it's, you know, the hyper-rise of e-commerce, which of course, you know, uh, the, the pandemic helped to fuel as well. But, you know, at your end, Brexit was another thing that had been, you know, uh, years in the making, if you will, but it was an, another added complexity and added challenge that, uh, you know, those uh, particularly overseas had to deal with. But, you know, it obviously has a ripple effect, you know, since all supply chains are global, you know, what happens with regards to Brexit also impacts companies, uh, you know, around the world. Um, so I think the bottom line is that, I mean, one of the key lessons learned is, like I said in my opening comments, is that, you know, there's still a lot of challenges out there in, in the industry. And in fact, you know, in the survey that, that I referenced in the research that we partnered with, um, you know, almost two thirds of the respondents said that they believe that a large or very large room for improvement still exists in, in transportation management processes. I mean, what are some of the symptoms of the waste and inefficiencies that still exist out there? I mean, when you look at when you look at studies from you know in North America, the American Transportation Research Institute or or the equivalents here here in Europe, you know they they all point out that despite all the efforts made in creating transparency, connecting parties to each other, there is still a significant amount of 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 sort of idle capacity and waste in the processes, right? I think the, the American Transportation Research Institute points out that there is up to 20% empty mile, miles among those 17 billion total operating miles in, in I guess that was in a US, US or North American sort of perspective, right? Um, and, and, and in Europe here, we have similar stats from Eurostat that point out it's between 15 to 30% empty, empty journeys, right? Alone in, in Germany, we talk about more than 150 million empty runs per year, right? Um, and, then, and then last but not least, we should also not forget that, you know, drivers, when they're being asked, they all sort of say that it's in between two and a half to three hours of average waiting time for them 
which, which is substantial if you look at the overall driving time they have, right? So, so that's sort of, you know, the, the, the economical side of the damage. And, and that comes directly also with an ecological side of the damage, because, you know, there is still quite a substantial part of, of, of CO2 emissions being produced without really shipping something from A to B. Um, and overall, when we look at the European market here, you know, we count with a, a European uh, sort of land transport market of roughly 200 billion per annum. If we just say it's roughly 25 to 30 percent waste in these processes, it translates into 60 billion of euro damage per annum, right? And, and exactly the same stat you could you could apply to the U.S. So there is a a, a substantial value that can be captured if we somehow get our act together and solve that problem, right? Yeah, you know, when, when you think about, you know, so I've been an industry analyst now for over, you know, 20 years, almost 22 years now. And, you know, the, the problems you cited, you know, empty miles, right? Um, detention time, awaiting time, you know, with drivers, uh, certainly CO2 emissions, which is, you know, over the years has gotten more and more attention and it's becoming, you know, much more critical now or an imperative for many companies to look for ways to reduce that uh, carbon emissions. And obviously transportation plays a, you know, key role there. Those are things that have been, you know, problems for the past 20 years, right? So I know in the report that, that we, uh, we, we published together, you know, I, I kind of cite that quote from, uh, that's usually attributed to Einstein that says, you know, insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, you know, from that perspective, you know, transportation has been insane for, for a long time because, you know, we, we've been doing kind of the same thing over and over again and, you know, expecting different results, but yet we still have these, you know, issues in the industry, which I think is why, you, you know, um, uh, a lot of the stakeholders that we talked about that we surveyed, the shippers, the carriers, the 3PLs and so forth, you know, when they look at that, they say, yeah, absolutely, there's, there's still a lot of room, you, you know, for, for improvement there. Um, so one of the things that we also did in the, in the research is that we asked, uh, you know, the shippers and carriers, hey, if you were able to redesign or enable new transportation processes, you know, what are, what are your desired outcomes? So, so why don't you share a little bit about, you know, what ended up topping the list and were there any differences between shippers and carriers? Absolutely, happy to do so. So I think overall, overall, everybody agrees that having greater visibility into real-time demand rates and capacity is something that would help, right? Now, if you then drill a little bit down, of course, shippers and, and, and carriers, as well as logistic service providers like 3PLs overall have, have a slightly different view, right? Shippers, shippers really look at it in the sense of, you know, Sort of how, how can they make sure that they get their stuff to the customers fast and reliably, uh, whereas whereas carriers more look at it from a perspective how can I reduce and or eliminate empty miles and, and waiting times right, which is not surprising and, and and somehow also sort of you know looking at the same things from from two different perspectives, but that has been sort of throughout the whole report um, 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 a, a common theme and then. And then one area where I think shippers and, 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 and the carrier side equally agree is that they all want to reduce manual efforts and paper-based or, or just broken communication chains. So, you know, we, we really look at this as, as a call of the industry, of the players for strong digital tools, platforms. And that's sort of also why I think the title the title of your report talks a lot about those network effects that I think we're all looking for. 
Yeah, no, so, so certainly, I mean, I think, you know, those desired outcomes, uh, you know, when, when I looked at the results, you know, didn't surprise me either, right? So that whole visibility, you know, from a shipper standpoint, it's about, you know, they're, they're facing more stringent, more demanding customer expectations with regards to, you know, delivery, you know, they're looking to compete on customer experience and, and so forth. So having greater visibility, more real-time visibility, like you talked about before, you know, that agility, responsiveness and so forth kind of really depends on that, that flow of information and the ability to kind of match their, their need for capacity, you know, more efficiently, you know, with, with the carriers out there. And obviously the carriers are looking to operate their fleet, uh, you know, more efficiently because they're facing other issues like, you know, the ability to hire and retain, you know, drivers, right? So that need becomes less critical if they're able to actually use the equipment and the drivers they have, you know, more efficiently. So all those things, you know, work, uh, you know, work hand in hand. Now you, you mentioned, you know, network effects and, and I argue in, in the report that shippers and carriers need to think in terms of, of network effects, you know, m- moving forward. So, so what is, you know, the power of the network and, and, and why is it important to take that perspective? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's almost fair to say that, you know, to some extent we were wrong when, when we said it's a chain because it's not really a chain. It should be, it should be a network, right? And, and I think it's also important that, that today with, you know, on the one side, the, the tooling that is available to us and with tooling, I mean, the fact that pretty much everybody can be connected to everybody instantaneously in real time, that data can be shared and, and that data is available to support decision-making so that whole digital tooling that is there, but also with the market volatility in which we are living, not only in, in, in years like 2020 with a global pandemic and you know, a country leaving the European Union for some parts of the world, but, but overall the market volatility in, in, in which we're just living, that you know, it, it requires from all of us that we start to look at it more as a point-to-point network where sort of the infinite collaboration of pretty much all the parties involved is possible, right? And, 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 and to my, you know, in my opinion, the, 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 the tooling, as I said, the digital platforms that are there that, that exist like Transporion um, do allow shippers and carriers equally to take benefit of this, right? Uh, it just, and that's also what you point out in your report, it, it, it forces all of us to change a little bit the perspectives and how we looked at things um, and, and, and make use of that data that is there, make use of that real-time insight, which, as I said before, is not only the real-time visibility as we know it from, from you know, supply chain visibility, telematics-based data aggregation where you can see where your truck is, but sort of also the ability to make use of that real-time insight in immediately adapting your assignment strategy or sourcing strategy or even down to very tactical things like dog scheduling, right? Changing the sequence of the trucks when they come to the yard, making sure that you pull forward a guy that is already in the waiting zone and, 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 and sort of swap the, swap the, the, the appointment with, with, with somebody that comes too late, just in a, a collective effort of the whole network to drive down and reduce this waste that we've talked about before. Yeah, no, a, lot, a lot of great points. I mean, you, you know, you start out by saying, you know, we, we almost have to move away from, um, you know, thinking in terms of a, a supply chain 
and and I know it's so hard because that term supply chain is so entrenched. And and even though I've I've advocated to move away from that term, it's always very difficult to. But you're right. I mean, that term kind of implies linear and implies rigid, you know, inflexible, so on and so forth, which is really the exact opposite of kind of today's operating, you know, reality. And, and then we've seen the power of, of the network, the network effects in so many other areas, right? Whether it's telecommunications, uh, certainly even within the social networking, you know, realm uh, in terms of the ability to easily connect with others, exchange information and, and, and so forth. Um, I think applying those mo- that model and that perspective into the B2B world and specifically in transportation, I think opens the door to more efficiently and in a more scalable way, achieve those desired outcomes that, that we, we talked about. Um, so, I mean, you, you touched upon it a little bit already, but how can technology ultimately enable, you know, the, this network effect? I mean, what capabilities will be most important moving forward? Yeah, so, so I think it's, first of all, it's, it's important to understand that a network, at least in the B2B world and in, 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 in that size and complexity and dynamics that we, we talk about in, in our market here, a network like this, this just, just doesn't appear, right? It needs to be sort of built. It needs to be facilitated. It needs to be orchestrated. And, and it all starts with, you know, tools and services that, that, that need to be provided, right? To, to, bring, to bring parties and participants in a network together. And then a network also needs certain rules and standards, right? Now, what, what's a standard? What's a rule? If, if, if everybody follows a standard, it's almost like a rule. Sometimes these rules are written by a legislator or by a, a, somebody, a, a governance body, right? A governing body. Sometimes the rules are just established by the network because the participant in the, in the network sort of decide that this is basically the standard behavior. And once you have this, there is a community and the network evolving, right? There is a, a community around those tools, services, rules, and standards that somehow agrees that this is the way we do business and we communicate to each other, we interact, etc. And once you have those three levels, well, then, then there comes the icing on the cake, which I, which I always say is basically matchmaking, is, is helping the market helping supply and demand to react more efficiently to each other and, and overall helping the market to, to, to work better than without such a network, without such um, uh, a platform in, in which or on which the network gets orchestrated, right? And that's, that's basically what we see when we act with our customers on both shipper carrier side of the network, that this is basically the sequence that everybody tries to follow. You know, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I liked how you talked about, you know, uh, you know, the standard side of things, because I think that is critically, you know, important to, to drive speed, to drive efficiency, uh, to drive scalability. And, and certainly that's one of the key roles there of, of that the platform, you know, plays, particularly from a, from a connectivity standpoint, but then is the ability to then, once you've got that platform in place, once you've got that, those communication standards in place, um, and all the parties connected, then it's the ability to layer, you know, the, 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 the software on top of that or the technology on top of that to then enable workflows between all the different, you know, parties and the permissions and the security and everything else that goes, exactly. you, you know, a, a, along with that. And in many ways, even though, you know, platforms such as Transporian have been around for, for you know, a, a while already, I really think that 
um, you know, the best is yet to come, if you will, because I think that, that a lot of companies are just now starting to recognize or understand what we mean when we talk about the network effect. And I, I think situations like what happened in 2020, certainly what happened in 2018, at least here in the United States, there was a lot of capacity crunch and so forth. These things are kind of, I think, finally bringing um, a lot of companies, both shippers and carriers to recognize we've got to do things differently. We've got to leverage technology. We've got to think about technology in, in different ways. And I think that's where, you know, I see certainly, you know, growing momentum, you know, for the network effect and, you know, leveraging these types of platforms to, you know, to achieve that. In fact, I, I, a few years ago, I wrote a, uh, a blog post on Talking Logistics where I said, you know, moving forward, or my, my hope is that, you know, uh, maybe in five years time, we'll see, you know, companies, instead of having chief supply chain officers, they'll have chief network effects officers. And I think if we, if we, if we get there, then I think we've reached the, uh, you know, the, the pinnacle of, of this opportunity. Um, so Stefan, as, as a way to wrap up then, I mean, how do you see, you know, the network effect and platforms evolving, you know, in the months and years ahead and, and what actions should shippers and carriers take today to keep pace with these innovations? Well, so, so I think, and, and, and I totally agree with, with what you said, right? I mean, 2020 and, 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 and in, in the US with the capacity crisis in 2018 or, or similar events in, in many ways, we could say as hard as this might sound, right? This is accelerating things that needed to happen or that were going to happen anyway. They just, you know, really accelerated those moves. So, so from that point of view, I think we, sh we should all take the, the past few months as sort of a learning and, and do a critical review on, on our strategies so far and say like what has turned out to be to be right and to be working and what has also turned out to be suboptimal and, and with room for improvement. And I guess that's, you know, when I look at the conversations we're having with, again, both shippers and carriers, what pretty much all our customers are doing at this point in time. And, and I always, you know, give them sort of the, the advice um, to, you know, not look at digital transformation as an obligation, but much more as an opportunity. Don't think about what you have to do, you know, think about it in a way, what it can do for you and what, what you could potentially think of being able to achieve if you were to have the right tooling, the right connectivity, the right insight, the right data available. And then you will find out that it is actually possible. Many things are possible that we probably a few years ago wouldn't have thought it is possible. And, 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 and I, you know, I, I do see that many of the vice presidents of supply chain or, or, or whatever these titles are, even if they probably still carry that title, they do start to think about themselves as network, network people. Um, and they do think about themselves as being part of this spider web that you describe in your report, where they are just, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a good way, just one dot in a, in a massive network of interconnected parties that all together try to achieve something. Um, you know, we have great examples uh, of, of horizontal integration between, you know, starting really with aluminium and steel, going to the packaging uh, industry, going to food and beverage, and then ultimately to retail, because they're all trying to solve one problem, right? And in the past, that problem was always faster, more reliable, and or cheaper, right? Those were the two options. You're either fast and reliable or you're cheap. 
now there is more and more at least a third option coming, which is most sustainable, right? Uh, so, so and, and then of course there are these guys that say we want sort of the the optimal the optimal combination of those three factors. We want to have great customer service, reliable, predictable supply chains. We want to have a good cost performance, and we want to have a good ecological performance. And it is actually doable, right? So look at it as an opportunity rather than as an obligation. Think big, involve your partners, involve the other parties, the other dots in that spider web and, and make use of digital tools. Yeah, I love, I love that uh, uh, advice. You know, think of it as an opportunity and not as an obligation. I think that's a great you know, perspective and you provided some great you know, ad, ad, advice there. Uh, well, Stefan, we, we just managed to scratch the surface, uh, you know, on, on on this topic. I'm sure we could probably speak for another, you know, hour or so just on on the results of the of the, of the research that we did. So, uh, so first, I want to, you know, thank you for you know making the time to you know to be with us today and and sharing your insights and advice on 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 this topic. And uh, secondly, for those of you that are watching, um, if if you're interested in getting more details around the research. Um, you can visit the Transporium website and there you can register and, and download uh, the report to, you know, get more uh, uh, information around the survey results and some of the other, you know, uh, uh, research findings from, from that. So again, Stefan, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Well, thank you, Adrian. It was a pleasure to be with you. And thanks also for the collaboration throughout this report. It's certainly uh, been an exciting work and I'm looking forward to continue on that basis. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's this is one of those areas that um, you know certainly doing ongoing research to kind of see how the industry continues to evolve and and you know where the opp those opportunities are for continued uh, you know success and to achieve these desired outcomes. You know to, to keep a pulse on the industry. I think is going to be be important uh, moving forward. Um, I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the Talking Logistics website or on the Transporian website. And you've got any questions or comments for uh, Stefan, you can post it there and he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.